want to encourage you to be with us next Sunday. I'm not going to say much about it other than the fact that uh, it's an anniversary Sunday. Think about it. So I uh, hope to see you back next Sunday for a little anniversary celebration, perhaps. Uh, I am looking forward to it, and I hope you'll be here to enjoy it with us. Living above in the heaven we love, oh, that will be glory. Living below with the folks we know, now that's another story. Anybody amen that? Yeah. Uh, it's wonderfully, it's wonderful to be heavenly minded, and we are in a chapter which talks about that. But it's also a chapter which talks about being up to earthly good. And this morning, I want to talk to you about relationships. Is it possible to have healthy, life-affirming relationships down here? Friday night, Laura, our church administrator, and I were sitting in my office with two representatives from Crown City Alcoholics Anonymous Group. I can't tell you their names. It's anonymous. But we were sitting there with uh, this couple, a a man who's a leader in the group and a woman who's a leader in the group, talking about our relationship. Crown City AA meets here every Friday at 8 o'clock, and it's called a speaker's meeting. There are about 300 people that show up in our gym. You're welcome to come. And uh, anyhow, we're going to be extending that relationship. It's been a great relationship. So we were talking about it, and we kind of went through, you know, how's it going and that general conversation. And then uh, as we were wrapping up the meeting, the gentleman said, uh, this, this can't be. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you can't have a business meeting without arguing about something or disagreeing about something or having some kind of a, you know, you just can't have a business meeting and end like this. And I said, well, said his name, and I said, well, I suppose I could bring up politics or religion, and we could find something to argue about there, and uh, if that make you feel any better. And he said, no, no, that'll be all right. But is it possible to actually have relationships where people feel good? You're, you're energized. You're glad for the meeting. You look forward to it before it starts. You enjoy it while it happens. And when you're done, you say, well, this is a great meeting. Is, is that possible to actually have those kind of healthy, life-affirming relationships? Even this morning as I speak to you and as I was working this week and thinking about relationships, I was thinking of a couple that I know where the man has left two small children, a wife. He just took off. I think about another situation where a couple married for many years, they're breaking up, they've informed me. I think about a woman who has children, but they don't speak to her. And we could go on and on. In fact, I read in the paper, this was not uh, real recently, but I clipped, clipped this out of the paper a while back. Uh, a Lancaster couple got married, and when this article was written, it said, A Lancaster couple married two days were arrested on Saturday for suspicion of assaulting each other during an argument. It goes on to say their names, uh, Arlene and Jack. Arlene was arrested on the suspicion of hitting her husband with a flower pot. Two days of marriage. And he was arrested on suspicion of hitting her with his fist, according to the sheriff's reports. And you can look up, in fact, I was going to bring the L.A. Times with me today, but you can look up any day of the paper and see there. Uh, relational issues, conflict between people. And this morning, I want to talk to you about relationships, getting along in the family. Now, when you think of family, you could think of this family, the Christian family, the church family here, known as uh, here at First Church. 
You might think of your family. I can think of Joyce and our children, our grandchildren, our aunts and uncles. You might think of that as family. I hope you do. Uh, you might think of where you work as family or not. But that's another sort of family. And so there are lots of ways to define family, and you can choose how you want to define that this morning. But I want to talk to you about relationships. And we're beginning in uh, Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be in chapter 3 this morning. It's on page 201 in your Bible if you want to follow along. Before we get into uh, the Scripture a bit, though, what are some hindrances to relationships? And I'd just like a little feedback, things that make relationships difficult. What are hindrances to good, positive relationships? Selfishness. What? Say it louder. Huh? Poor communication. Yep. Uh-huh. And part of communication is good what skill? Listening skill. Yep. What else hinders our good relationships? A what? Quick temper. Yep. Pride. Pride. Jealousy. Jealousy. What? Trust. Yeah. Understanding. Money sometimes comes in. You could make a long list about things that hinder relationships, right? We could, we could go on and on. This morning, um, we are in Colossians, and last week, I talked to you about how to get dressed. And you all look pretty good today, especially good-looking shirt on Ted. Wow. I'd like to borrow that sometime. Um, Anyhow, we talked about relationships. We talked about getting dressed. You remember Colossians 1, Colossians 3, 1 starts out uh, looking up to heaven. Set your affection on things above. Set your mind on things above. And so it begins like this, you know, looking up to Christ, looking to heaven, thinking about heaven. Now, as you do that, you could say, well, that person's so heavenly minded, they're what? They're no earthly good. And I've met people like that. Unfortunately, sometimes the church creates people like that, that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. You can't accuse Paul of that because immediately as he gets into that chapter, he says, set your affections on things above. Then he begins in verses 5 through 11. If you look through there, he lists all kinds of behaviors that are actually hindrances to good relationships. You remember what some of those are? Uh, Anger, we talked about, he mentions that. Immorality, he mentions that. Uh, Slander, gossip, he mentions those kinds of things. And he says those are, remember we talked about clothes, those are clothes that you need to take off. Don't wear those things. You remember last week? And we're to put on what? In chapter 3, verse 12 through 17, he gives some good clothes to put on. And we need to re... uh, Somebody give me that list a little bit because we need to remember those because actually if you wear those clothes, you're going to have improved relationships. What are some of those clothes we put on? Compassion, kindness, patience, humility, meekness, love patience. Love binds them all together. I think you've got it. So be thinking about that. As you put on those clothes, it's actually going to help your relationship. So you're looking to Christ, but you're putting on these kinds of clothes as you live your life here on earth. Now, I want to talk a bit about relationships. And um, yesterday I was uh, visiting Dr. Scholler and uh, in my visits with him, he's had another man visit him named Bill Pinnell. That name doesn't mean much to you probably, but Bill Pinnell is a retired uh, black uh, leader from Fuller Seminary, one of the, I think, the first African-American on their board. He lives here in Altadena, and I've met Bill before, but I didn't really know him. So in, in visiting David, Bill and I have gotten 
to know each other a little bit. And as I was leaving yesterday, or as Bill was leaving the hospital, he said, Steve, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I told him, I said, well, I'm preaching on relationships. You know that passage uh, that talks about wives, husbands, parents, children, slaves, masters? And Bill paused, and he said, why would you want to do that? And I said, I have no idea why I chose this passage, because it's been giving me fits all week. But we are going to talk about relationships today, and I hope that some of this is helpful as you think about your relationships now, as I was considering how to present this, uh, this idea of a, a triangle came to me. And so I want you to find your worship folder, if you would, and um, you should have a half sheet of paper in there that's got some triangles on it. And I'm going to encourage you to look at that in just a minute. I was going through looking at some articles I'd pulled out on relationships. Here's a list of some other hindrances or don'ts. This woman writing is saying, here are some things you do not want to do in your relationships. Um, Don't, this is a big one. If you're married, would you raise your hand? Just hold your hand up like this so you can catch this, okay? Keep it up, keep it up. If you see somebody that's married and they don't have their hand up, just raise it up for them, okay? Okay, we're good. Don't keep a mental checklist of your partner's flaws. Did you catch that? Okay, you can put it down. Don't keep a mental checklist of your partner's flaws. Woo! Stop right there. Uh, don't make it all about you. Don't interrupt when someone's speaking or present counter-arguments. Don't bring up the past. I've talked to couples in counseling that, you know, they're back 10, 20 years ago. She did this to him, he did this to her, and they still haven't worked through it. Uh, don't punish or berate. Uh, don't bring up the past. Did I say don't bring up the past? Yeah. Uh, anyhow, let's move on. And I want to um, use this cr- triangle to help us. But before we do that, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, right in the center of this chapter, there is an amazing scripture. And I read this because we tend to divide scripture up so we can study it in small sections. But this scripture is, I I like to think of it as the umbrella over this whole chapter. It says some things there that we need to get straight in our head no matter what we're talking about. Now let me read uh, to you what it says in verse 11. Remember, Paul's been talking about taking off the bad clothes or the old self, putting on the new self, and in verse 11 he says this, In that renewal, in that renewal, or as you've put on your new self, In that renewal, there is no longer Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Now, what is Paul talking about? That's kind of a big verse. It's actually, there's similar verses in other letters by Paul. And what he's talking about, as you come to Christ, we like to say the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Do you know what that means? It means we all come to Christ the same way. We talk as Baptists about the priesthood of believers. I am not closer to God because I'm a pastor than a plumber or a politician. We talk about uh, those kinds of things, and they're all based on this type of a scripture which says when we come to Christ, it doesn't matter what your racial background is, we're equal in Christ. The color of your skin is not significant to God, we're equal in Christ. Whether you're a male or female, That's no big deal to God because we are equal in Christ. In other words, all these barriers that humans erect in all societies, 
Those don't count in Christ. We're equal. Are you with this passage? You need to hang on to that scripture as we begin to talk about relationships in our families. And so that's kind of, that's, Paul has just said that in this chapter. He said some big statement things. Now he comes down to some specific relationships which we're going to look about. Now I want to talk about the triangle. We put up, uh, you've got a triangle and you've kind of got stuff already filled in. But at the top, let's think about God. And over on this side, I think I put down me. That would be me and you. And then others, I've got others over here on this side, right? And you can define that any way you want. We're just thinking about people you're in relationship with. Now, I'd like for you, for the point of this time together this morning, to think about one person or two persons or, you know, get a name in your head. And so I, of course, am going to say, well, I'm in quite a bit of a relationship with this young lady, Joyce. So I'm going to put her name over here. So if you'd write that name down, if you're taking notes. Now, as you think about relationships, hopefully, um, I'm in relationship with God, okay? I have a relationship with God. And as I'm in that relationship, if, I'm, uh, if I know Christ is my Savior, if I call myself a Christ follower, I have this relationship. But we also all have relationships in this room. You have other kinds of relationships. Some are very casual, some are very intimate and deep. We have relationships with other people. Now, I want to say a couple of other things here. Of course, Joyce also has a relationship with God, uh, with God, and we'll mention that in just a moment. Here's some bullet points that I want to make. As a Christ follower, you are in relationship with God. So that's one relationship that you work on, you maintain. In the last part of this section we look at today, in verses 24 and following, Paul talks to slaves. There were slaves in that day, and Paul writes to them and says, Now, here's your relationship with your master. And then he says, Remember, you don't serve them. You serve Christ, who is really your master. And then to those who, who are slaveholders in that society, or would, if you supervise people, Paul could say this to you, those of, of you who are over... Uh, you're in authority over people, you say, well, you're the boss, you're the master. But remember, you too, Paul says, you have a master in heaven. And in verse 24, uh, Paul says this, you are a servant of the Lord Christ, except for that's not the best translation. The word is literally, you are a slave of the Lord Christ. Now, I don't think you came to church this morning thinking about yourself as a slave, did you? I mean, we just don't use that terminology of ourselves. But when you go through Paul's letters, often as he began his letter, he said, Paul, what? A slave of the Lord Christ or the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul often referred to himself, I'm a slave of God. God's my master. Now, as you think about relationships, that's huge because no matter how you read this scripture, the number one thing for Paul is, I'm in relationship to God, and whatever I do in all my relationships, I better honor God. This is my primary relationship, my relationship with God. And so that's emphasized in verse 24 when he talks about it. What else? Uh, I'm in relationship to Joyce. I'm in relationship to others. Now, in the Scripture, it says there are certain clothes that we're supposed to take off, like anger. In my relationships with other people, anger just isn't supposed to be a dominant characteristic or greed or selfishness. As I take off those relationships, I'm going to draw closer to her. Now, think about, think about it this way. If I'm really following God and in a great relationship with God, and if Joyce is in a great relationship with God, what happens as we both improve in our relationship with God? 
We get closer together, don't we? Now, you can't control the other person's relationship with God. I understand that. And you can do a lot of things with these triangles that we're not going to do today. But I'm simply trying to emphasize, as you and I grow in our relationship with the Lord and honor Him, and as the other person is doing that, we're going to draw closer together as we're both seeking to improve our relationships with God. So Paul writes in verse 18, he says, Wives, be subject to your husbands to the Lord, in the Lord. And that's an important phrase, be subject to your husbands in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. What is surprising as you read this, if you, and we, I studied this this week and there's just no way to get all the time in here when we think about the culture in which Paul wrote. But one of the tensions is, is Paul simply kind of Christianizing instructions, social instructions of his day and just adding Christ, or is he really presenting something that's new and different? And people debate that. I think he's really presenting something quite new, because what Paul could have said, if he just followed the culture of his day, is he could have said, wives, obey your husbands. But he didn't say that. He said, uh, he said to be uh, subject to them. And he could have said to husbands, he didn't have to use the word love, it wasn't a common word used of husbands and wives in that day. He could have said, Why, husbands, rule over your wives, because in that day, husbands ruled their wives. But Paul introduces this theme of love in the relationships, and uh, we need to be aware of that. The goal of these relationships as a Christ follower is that Christ is our master, and we want to keep in relationship with him. Now, I want to go to another triangle in just a moment, but um, did you hear about porcupines and their relationships? They're, they're what? Prickly. Uh, they can be pretty prickly. If you're a porcupine, you want to stay close enough together to keep warm, but not so close together that you kill each other. Uh, just think it over. Um, now, there is another way to relate, and I want to uh, continue our triangle stuff. And uh, in this second section, let's think about this for just a moment. We're going to put me at the top. And uh, we've got God over here. And uh, Joyce is over here. Now, first of all, uh, if you don't like triangles, you can just think of being on the throne, you know, being in the captain's chair, however you want to put this, you know, you're on top. Do you think, just a little vote for Steve, do you think this has ever happened in my life? No. Never happened in your life either, where you got, you know, I'm in charge here. I wrote down some things. You can kind of tell if this might be going on in your life. How does this work? Well, uh, it's me first. I'm the boss. Do what I say. That kind of attitude. Even You may even say it. What really matters are my rights. What really matters is how I feel. Uh, how would you know if you're in this situation? Now, the truth is, we've all been in this situation where it's not that my relationship with God is broken, but I'm just going to kind of use God for my own advantage. I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, God has some value in my life, but God's really not the master. I'm the master. And so if it's convenient, I'll bring God into the picture. Joyce will be okay, too. You know, I'll use her for my... What do we call this? Self-centered, selfish, something like that. Yeah. Um, now, how would I know if I'm selfish? Well, if you're the only one in the house that can control the remote, that would be a clue. If there is one piece of pie left, and you make sure you get that pie, that would be a clue. Um, What are some other ones? 
You know, if the words I, me, and my dominate your sentences, uh, that might be a clue it's all about you. Uh, you expect your way, you get your way every time. Uh, so, so you get the idea. Sometimes in reality, this really happens, doesn't it? And we say, you know, I, I'm on the throne here. I'm running this show. I don't want to be humble. I want to be in charge. I'm, you know, I mean, you, I think you understand what I mean. And when we get into this situation, what happens to our relationships? Uh, what's going to happen is we're going to be moving farther away from God. We're going to be moving farther away from others. Uh, our relationships just are not going in the right direction because we are in control. So the question is, how are your relationships? And what are you going to do about those? Uh, if you're on top, do you have to be in control? How do you know that? Do you really monitor yourself? Now, one of the great ways to do this uh, um, is if you've got people that you actually that actually love you, you might ask them, you know, do you see me as selfish? Now, it's going to be hard to answer that truthfully, especially if you have a temper, because you're going to get mad. But can you really listen to people talk to you? I mean, do you listen to counselors that reflect back to you what you're saying? Can you listen to your spouse if he or she reflects back to you what she says? I have found in my own life, we mentioned this a bit last week, but my kids, they're hugely helpful because a lot of times they say things they're not even thinking about, but it helps reflect back to me how I am, especially how I dress. You know, Dad, what are you doing wearing that? But uh, more importantly, our behavior. So find people in your life that can help you think about this. Are you a self-centered person or are you able to receive input from others so that you're not selfish? Now, there's one other triangle I want to look at today, and it's this one. And uh, we're kind of flipping things over. And we're going to put Joyce up here or others, and we're going to put God over here. And, of course, me, I'm on the, I'm on the bottom. Now, as you think about your relationships, does it ever feel like, you know, you're still connected here to God, you're still connected to others, but we flip this upside down. What do we call this? Well, we could call it this word here. Instead of selfish, we could call it sub what? Submission. Now, I like to think about the word submission. It's S-U-B, and it's really two words. If, if you put the word S-U-B up there, what is the word S-U-B Mean doesn't mean subway sandwich, by the way. It means under. If you you know subordination, submission, uh, submarine. A submarine goes under the water, doesn't it? Now, what this really means is when you talk about submission, you all have missions. I have a mission. We have our direction. We have our purpose. We have what we intend to do. I mean, we all have our mission. That's good. But when you have submission, it says. I'm really bringing my mission under somebody else's mission, right? That's submission. Now, every parent, especially moms, I think, but I suppose in some cases it could be dads, every parent knows what it's like with a young child as a parent. Your mission, you go to bed at night, you want to do what? Sleep. You need sleep. God knows you need sleep. You're created for sleep. But when that little two-year gets up and has fever and is throwing up, what do you do? You submit to the needs of your child, so you forego your sleep. Your mission is sleep, but you give it up in order to take care of your child. That's called submission. And so as you think about this, uh, flipping it upside down, do we ever live like this? Now, the truth is, some people say, well, I feel like I'm going to be a doormat. I, I just don't want to do this. Well, let me review with you again the whole chapter of Colossians. It starts by saying that we're going to look up to God, our Master, 
our Lord Christ. Set your affection on things above. I really want the things of God. I want the things of heaven. God is my master. You set your affections there. Now, we come to um, verse 11, and it says, In Christ there's no superiority or inferiority. We are one in Christ. Christ is in all. Christ is all. And so these barriers of human relationships are broken down, ideally, in Christ. So, if, if we are really filled with Christ and we begin our relationships, should you feel inferior when you're around a certain group of people? Not in Christ. Should you feel superior when you're around a certain group of people? No. You should be relaxed and say, we're just, you know, we're just here together, human beings relating to each other without all these barriers and all this uh, trapping and all this baggage. You let it go because we're in Christ. And so if you keep that in mind, it's going to help you in your relationships. Now, in verse 14, there's another huge statement. We haven't looked about it. It says something binds everything together. Paul uses the phrase, blank binds it all together. What binds everything together? Love. That's what Paul says, love. And so as you talk about these things we're putting off or putting on, A lot of it comes up under this whole issue. Love binds this all together. And so as we're in relationship with each other, if love is the theme, it's going to also be the grease that greases the wheels of our relationships and makes them work. So verse 14 is key. And then finally it says, Christ is our master. Christ is our Lord. Now, in reality, the way this would work then is there are times when I say, Lord, what do you want me to do? In fact, it's a great habit to get in every day to get up and say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? That could be our opening prayer. What am I supposed to do today? You look at your outlook, you think through your mind, and you say, Lord, what do you want me to do? So you've checked in with your master, and you've gotten your instructions. Now, you're going to be relating to other people. You're going to be relating in love. You're going to do what's good for them, what's good for you. And so as you go forth, this idea of love is in your relationships, and you go out recognizing they're not superior to me, they're not inferior to me, we are one in Christ Jesus. And we go forth. And then the other thing that I want to emphasize, as Paul gives instructions to wives, to husbands, to children, to parents, to slaves and masters, he often uses this phrase, in fact it comes up six times, in the Lord or Lord Christ or Master. And so all of this is done in the sphere of the Lord, and I remind you that this is, this is number one for us. Remember when the apostles were told you can't preach anymore? They were out evangelizing and preaching. What did they say? We have to obey God rather than men. And so what we do in the Lord, it comes back to the fact that our highest goal is to serve the Lord. And if that clashes with something somebody else has told us to do, what is our default mode? We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do what God tells us to do. And we're going to do it in love. And so as you think about these relationships, I hope this is helpful to you this morning. I want to uh, wrap up with just a couple of examples. Uh, This past week, as I said, I've been visiting David Scholler. He had surgery. And uh, when Bill and I were talking, Bill said, you know, Steve, I've been wondering. uh, David's been treated, uh, I think his first surgery was back in 2002 for cancer. Then he's had chemo for three or four years taking this medicine. He doesn't feel well. His fingers tingle all the time. His toes tingle all the time. It's because of the medicine. And uh, now he's had this surgery, and he said, I've wondered, Bill speaking to me, I've wondered how I would do under these circumstances. You know, how well would I suffer? And I said, Bill, I've wondered the same. I have no idea how I'd bear up. And then Bill said, you know, 
David's got style. Style. And Bill and I got to talking, and I said, that'd be a great sermon, wouldn't it? Uh, How to suffer with style. Well, I think it would be a great sermon. And as I thought about David and Jeanette, and especially Jeanette in this situation, now, of course, nobody wants to get cancer and suffer. That just happens to you. you. You go through it. But as Jeanette has been with David, you know, it has happened that somebody would say, you know, your spouse is really sick, your spouse has been in this horrible accident, and sometimes what does the other spouse, the well one, do? They could split. Now, you think it doesn't happen, but it does. It sure does happen. So one option for Jeanette was to say, I'm out of here. I don't want to be around somebody that's this sick all the time, and I have to break my agenda. What's that called? It's called submission. I can tell you lots of things Jeanette would rather do than go to the hospital or or have to drive everywhere now and those kind of things. But there's not a word of complaint. Why? Because she's got the right relationship with God, and it helps her deal with these other relationships that come up in life, even the ones you would choose not to go through. And so it's a remarkable example to us of just this dynamic. And you can turn the triangle in lots of different ways and play with that. But I want to encourage you in your relationships with God and with others today that you can have healthy, happy relationships. Uh, Submission is something we saw just this past week in the mines up in Utah. Uh, We've all been following that tragedy. And uh, it was interesting to hear on the news reports, as other miners said, I'll gladly go down in that mine and risk my life, and three of them did, in order for the greater mission of saving someone else. And this morning I want to ask you, what is your greater mission? Is it serving God? Is it living your life out with God as your master? Because if that's your greater mission, it's going to impact your relationship with others for good. So I want to encourage you this morning as you think about these triangles. um, Are you here in some situation in life you're having to submit? It's not easy, but you're doing it because God is your master. Are you here? You're on the throne. You're in charge, and maybe you need to talk to the Lord about that. Or are you here? You're really seeking to have the positive relationships in your life. How are your relationships this morning? I'd like for us to pray, and Ted's going to come up, and we're going to sing that song again, which so beautifully fits what we're talking about this morning. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and for your spirit. Thank you that it is a practical word. I pray today, Lord, that you'd help us to take off the clothes of selfishness, of anger, of unkind words, clothes of immorality, clothes that just don't fit us as people of God. Help us to put on meekness and kindness and compassion and patience and forgiveness and love. May may our lives be bound together with others in love. And Lord, help us to make that number one goal of our life to be in a great relationship with you, worshiping you, loving you, and serving you. We ask that you do this in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.